Well, good morning. Um, very warm welcome to you as we um, gather together for the um, proclamation of the Word of God. Thank you again to our brother James for the live streaming worship um, at 11am. If you are able to um, to listen to that now, you can go back um, to that recording um, and um, follow the links through the um, emails and get back to um, James's channel and you can worship God um, after this message or you can stop the recording now and do that um, as you go forward and spending this hour or so in the presence of the living God. Before I, I read the scriptures, a few notices for you. Um, thank you to all of you who um, took part in the day of prayer, which uh, was on Friday, the 22nd of January. Uh, many of us prayed individually. Some people fasted within the church for the day. Um, others um, rang different people and prayed um, on the one to uh, with one one another on, on the phone. Others in a small group. So thank you for all of you who have taken part in um, just praying for our our nation and for um, God's help in this very very difficult time. Um, we are going to have a Zoom prayer meeting uh, starting up. Um, next week um, the details is on the email so you will have all the links that you need to be a part of that zoom prayer meeting so if it's the first time you're hearing about it then please contact the office um, please speak to to Kim and she will give you all the information you need to be a part of that zoom prayer meeting next next week well, you have a Bible with you, please open your Bible to Genesis chapter 6 and we're beginning our reading from verse 5. Genesis chapter 6 and beginning our reading from verse 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals, and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah. I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them 
and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 400 feet long, 75 feet high, wide and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and made, make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. Father, as we bow our heads in prayer, we come to look at your holy word. And we realise, Lord, that we come to a holy moment. Because it's not my voice that's important at this hour. It is your voice that is important. That's why it's a holy moment. And we pray, Father God, that as we listen, and as we take in your word, Father, that you might speak, oh God, speak. Speak, Lord, in such a way, Lord, that we will not come away from this message like a dry bone. We won't come away from this message like a dry stick. But we will come away, Lord, fresh, watered, grown in you because we have spent time at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, speak, Lord, we pray. Encourage the hearts of those who hear it. Lord, we do not want to forget to pray for the thousands of people who died this week. 1,800 people died on Wednesday. 1,400 people died on Friday. Big numbers that we never thought we would ever hear. Since March, Lord, over 95,000 people died in the UK alone, Lord. 95,000 people have gone into eternity. Oh, God Almighty, we pray, Lord, pray. It's not too late for men and women to cry to you for mercy, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Not too late, oh God. And we pray, Lord, that this message today will be the means of carrying many into your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled this message, God's Plan of Salvation. God's Plan of Salvation. So as we continue to prepare for Easter, that's what I'm doing. I'm preparing for Easter. I know you're saying, but Pastor, it's only January. I know, but we are preparing for Easter. And we are looking into the Old Testament and are considering 
what the Old Testament says about this greatest event of all time. What does the Old Testament say about the crucifixion and the cross of Jesus Christ? Well, today we look and see the account of Noah and how this story unfolds. So turn with me again to chapter 6 and my uh, three headings to help us get through this chapter in a um, easy and, and, and memorable way. Three points. The first heading is this, the grief of God. The grief of God. So we read some of the saddest verses in the whole of the Bible. Look with me at verse 5 and 6. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. Man's wickedness had become great. That is, man's wickedness had multiplied. It started with Cain murdering Abel. Just the last chapter in chapter 4. And by the time we have reached chapter 5, the wickedness of men has increased. In fact, we read that every inclination of the thought of his heart was only evil. And it was evil all the time. Now, Jeremiah, in years ahead said these words and we all know this verse when Jeremiah writes and says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked what Jeremiah what God is saying through Jeremiah that your heart and my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it although that is true nevertheless we have social guidelines we have laws in place to control and to suppress the evil tendencies of our hearts so though our hearts have these wicked and evil desires it cannot carry all of them out praise god for that but what if those who made laws and those who ran countries were evil and wicked and made evil and wicked laws. But what you will have is a people like what we find in Noah's day. Look what the Bible says, what God says in our Bible reading, Genesis 6 verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. A world full of corrupt people, 
a world full of violence, a world full of wickedness. Everybody says the word of God in Noah's day have corrupted their ways. You know, when you look at the news and you listen to what's on the news, it breaks your heart, doesn't it? 15-year-old boy in Bristol, I believe, murdered by a group of boys setting upon him. When you turn on your TV, and and I know you know what I'm talking about, some of you watch all different types of programs on television, whether it's cooking programs, whether it's um, Bake Off, whether it is um, 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 some soaps, whether it is a drama. You know what I'm talking about when I say to you that you cannot get away from the homosexual pushing and the homosexual um, and programs and people on those programs who have perverted the whole of God's sexual um, plan for man and for woman. It's everywhere. Men dressed up as women, women dressed up as men, people having sex changes, people getting married to the same sex. The whole sexual thing in our generation has been accepted. The law has been passed. And that law that has been passed is against the laws of God. And then you go away from the whole sexual thing and you look at the corruption. How the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. How people are being exploited. How people um, are, are, the poor are being over, and the needy are being overlooked. In the news recently, we they spoke about the, the school meal, the free school meals that was given to children who cannot afford to have a decent meal. Some children, the only decent meal they have was at school. And even that was being taken away from them. A world full of great, great wickedness is our world is in our time and it was exactly like that even worse back in Noah's day and so we read these words in Genesis 6 verse 6 the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain you really do need to understand that sin grieves God. The writer of um, the book of Genesis gives a human characteristic to God. He says that God's heart was filled with pain. When I read that, my thoughts turn to Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. Do you remember that? Do you remember when the young boy said to his father, give me my share of the estate. And after he received the share of his estate, he left. Can you imagine the grief of the father? Do you know, someone said, by hearing this request in the Middle East, it was like the youngest boy was saying to his father, I want you dead. I wish you dead. 
so that I can have the share of my inheritance now. So give me my inheritance so I can clear off and have nothing to do with you. That must have deeply hurt the old man. That must have deeply grieved the father. Cut him deeply in his heart. And the reason why it hurt him so much was because he loved that boy. He loved that son. Well, here we see God allowing us to see the effects of sin now we have God taking a look allowing us to take a look into his heart his holy heart to see how it is filled with pain when he looks at sin see many people look at the count of Noah and all they can see is an angry God who's angry with sin. But in reality, like the father in the prodigal son, God is grieved because of his love for his creation. God is grieved when we sin because he loves us. I had a lovely time of prayer with Ferris Apogee um on friday and one of the things very said um to me during our conversation and she said a lot of great things one of the things she said to me was this god is not angry jerry god is tired god is tired he's loved us so much he's given us so much and now he is just tired of us well according to the writer of genesis god is grieved because he made man out of love provided for man out of his great compassion his heart is filled with pain because it is filled with love somebody said it is those we love the most who are able to hurt us the most you need to understand that God is grieved when you sin because he loves you. His heart is filled with pain when you sin because he loves you. We must not, we cannot take sin lightly. We cannot allow our attitude to sin to be slapdash and haphazard and easy come easy go we cannot play with sin the way we do if we understand that God loves us and when we sin it grieves him then we should take sin far far more seriously so my first point as we look at this story it's God's grief over sin. The second thing that we see as we look at the Noah's account is the favour of God. The grief of God and now the favour of God. So the situation in Noah's day is absolutely dire, terrible. For God has said in verse 7, 
So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. Yet I like the next word that comes after that verse. You may have missed it, but here it is. It's in verse 8. The Lord said, I am grieved that I have made them. Verse 8. But. Hallelujah. But. Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favour. One man on the earth found favour with God. And it gets better than that. If we go down to verse 9, we read this. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. The thing to notice here is the term, he walked with God. Only one other man had that description given to him. Do you know who he was? Some of you I know are saying his name right now. Yes, you're right. You find him in chapter 5 and verse 24. Just, just a chapter before. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Enoch was the only man not to taste death beside Elijah. Why? Because walking with God was the highest honour and the greatest privilege for Enoch and for Noah. Walking with God meant that Noah and God was in total agreement about life and the way to conduct himself. Noah would have loved to spend time with God, time in his presence. Noah would love the things God loved and Noah would hate the things God hate. That is what walking with God was all about. Walking with God was able to commune with God, talk to God, have fellowship with God. I think Adam knew what it was to walk with God. When God walked in the cool of the day in the garden, he walked with Adam in total harmony. And here we had a man who's a sinful man like Enoch or like Noah. And here we have these men having the privilege to walk with God, to say to God, God, I agree with you. And if anything in my life disagrees with you, it's going to change. It's going to be changed. So that I can agree with you. And so Noah walked with God. A.W. Tozer, a great writer who died quite in older, old age in his 90s. He said this, walking with God is having an unbroken worship for him. I like that. You see, when I tune into um, 
the worship at 11 o'clock with James and I'm just worshiping God for that's 20 minutes. It's really great following the words on the screen and, and praising God with a number of other people online and James is there singing and love hearing his voice. But then after half an hour is finished or 25 minutes is over, you know, you turn off and you think, okay, worship is done. But I like what A.W. Tozer said. A.W. Tozer said this, that walking with God is having an unbroken worship. Unbroken adoration. Unbroken praises. Unbroken joy in his presence. It's constantly going on in your heart and in your life. Well, Noah had this. And so we read that he found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Before I pass on, you and I are called to walk with God. It's not just for the few, not just for the Enochs and the Noahs and the Moses and the Davids and the Daniels. No, it's for all believers. It's for you hearing my voice whether you are an older person in your 70s or 80s, or whether you're a teenager or a young person, it's for every single one of you who are hearing my voice. You and I are called to walk with God. To walk with God means to share your whole life with him. If you begin to do this, you'll begin to find favour in the eyes of the Lord. But at this point, we must turn our eyes to the New Testament and we must turn our eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ, the only man who truly knew what it was to walk with God. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 5. And I want you to turn to verse 17. John chapter 5 and verse 17 said this. Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath. But he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does you want to find what walking with God is like you want to see what walking with God is like look at John chapter 5 look at this harmony whatever the son sees the father doing the son is doing whatever the father sees the son doing he's doing the father is always working says Jesus I'm always working says Jesus what perfect harmony is right there. Now the Jews knew he was making himself equal to God. 
I don't understand how these JWs or these Mormons or these other people who say that Jesus was not equal with God. These Jews knew what he was saying. He was calling God his father, making himself equal with God. And he was equal with God because he walked with God. He walked like God. He spoke like God. He thought like God. He acted like God. He reflected the character of God every day and in every way. And the Bible turns around and will tell us that Jesus found favour with God. I love those words. The last verse in Matthew chapter 3. Remember the voice that came from heaven? And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So Noah, so we talked about the grief of God. We talked about having favour with God. And we see that only one man had favour with God in Genesis chapter 6. That was Noah. Now we come to our final part of this message. The plan of God. The plan of God. Now I'm going to read to you these verses. It's in Genesis 6 verse 13. So turn with me back to Genesis. And um, I'm going to read these verses nice and slowly. So you can follow me as I read them. Genesis 6. And... um, Verse 13 to 16 says this. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it. And coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long. 75 feet wide. And 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. Now I read these verses in full because Noah could not build the ark according to his own ideas or pattern. Have you noticed that? Although Noah walked with God, his input to the design was not needed Or was not necessary. Did you hear how God explained to him? Even in inches. 18 inches Noah. Make sure it's 18. Not 17. Not 19. It has to be 18 inches. From the top Noah. And Noah when it's going to be wide. Make sure it's so wide. And Noah when you're going to make it long. Make sure it's so long. You mustn't stink on the inches Noah. You have to build it. According to my plan. 
I love you, Noah. I value you, Noah. You have found favor in my eyes, Noah. But this is my plan. This is my um, purpose. This is the way I am going to do things. And you must stick to my plan. The same could be said regarding Moses. Do you remember God wanted Moses to build a few things? God wanted Moses to build the tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember that? And look what God said to Moses some years later. You need to find, you need to turn to Exodus chapter 25. And in verse 40, God says to Moses, See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. See that you make them. Everything that I'm telling you to make, Moses, make it according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. I love you, Moses. You've done a great job over in Egypt. Done a great job leading my people through the Red Sea. I value you, Moses. But Moses, this is my plan. And you must build it according to the pattern that I've shown you on the mountain. Noah, I love you, Noah. I found favor in, you find favor in my eyes, Noah. But when you're building the ark, I don't want your input. I don't want your plans. I don't want your ideas. I want you to build it according to the measurements and to the pattern that I'm telling you. Now, the people of Noah's day thought the plan was absolutely ridiculous building a boat away from the sea and with little sign of rain or water they thought Noah has lost his marbles they thought Noah was mad they thought the whole plan was ridiculous and foolishness complete and total foolishness And even though Noah preached to them for 120 years, I'm building this ark. Return from your wicked ways. Come into the ark. God's going to destroy the world. There's going to be a worldwide flood. And even if he continued preaching and preaching for 120 years, they laughed him to scorn. For he was mad. The whole plan of building a boat in the middle of the desert, complete foolishness. Now turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of the cross. As we turn our thoughts to Easter. What do we find here in 1 Corinthians? We see what people think of the cross. What people think about God's idea. What people think about God's plan. What people think about God's method of salvation. 
The cross is God's plan. God designed it. God ordained it. God said that it's what is going to happen. It is the plan of God. Nothing to do with man. But what do we find society saying about the cross? The saying that the the message of the cross is foolishness. Total foolishness. Stop this talk about the cross during Easter. Get rid of the cross during Easter. Let the children enjoy their chocolate. Give us a break from work. Give us a good holiday. But stop the foolish talk about the cross. The cross. The cross. We're sick and tired of hearing about the cross every Easter. The whole thing is foolishness. I'm sure Noah heard the same thing. I'm sure he was ridiculed, laughed at to scorn and rubbished by many. But it wasn't Noah's plan. The ark was God's plan. And the cross wasn't man's plan. The cross was God's plan. And we read in that verse, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the message of Easter. The cross, the cross, the cross is the power of God unto salvation. You might be hearing my voice today and not be a Christian. And to you, the whole cross scenario, the whole cross story is utter foolishness. You cannot understand it. But for us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. Now the question I must ask you is this. Are you standing in the shadow of the cross? That's the question. Are you standing in that shadow of that cross? There's a woman who wrote him. Her name is Elizabeth Sylvani. And uh, she wrote one of my most wonderful hymns that I really like. And many people during our modern era don't like singing hymns. And I still sing hymns on my own. And my children and Kim don't like hearing me really singing hymns my voice is not incredible I tell you that for sure but one of my favorite hymns growing up was a hymn by her called beneath the cross of Jesus and I pulled it out and I began to ring and sing it again and, and read it again the last verse struck me very very hard and this is the last verse of this song written by Elizabeth Sylvani and it's this I take O cross thy shadow for my abiding place I ask for no other sunshine than the sunshine of your face content to let the world go by to know no gain or loss my sinful self, my only shame, 
my glory or the cross. What wonderful words. I hope you can say that. Your sinful self. Your only shame. That's my only shame in my whole world. The fact that I'm a sinner. Clothed in sin. Born in iniquity. I'm a sinner. That's my only shame. But I'm standing in the shadow of the cross. I'm standing before the cross. Because that is my glory. That is my hope. That is my salvation. God's plan is the cross. And that is the power of God for everyone who believes. And I'm standing in the shadow of that cross. Thank you, Elizabeth Selene. Are you standing there? Are you standing in the plan and in the purpose of God? Is that where you are, my dear friend? If that is so, then like Noah, you are standing in the plan and in the design that came from the heart of God. You're standing in the place that God has said, this way. I am providing the cross. Come to me via the cross and I will accept every man, every woman, every child, young or old. I will accept you if you come via my plan. And that is the cross. Oh, may the door of salvation be open to every single person now who hears my voice. May the door of salvation, it is open. It has not been closed yet. Like in Noah's day, God shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door. Noah didn't pull up the ropes. Noah didn't say it's time to lift up anchor. God shut the door and it was no more hope or time for anyone else to enter. But this door of the cross is still wide open. The arms of Christ is still stretched out to you. It's not closed yet. But my warning is one day the owner of the house will get up and will shut that door and whether you are near the church in the church or far away from the church if you're not in Christ you will be standing outside and there'll be no entrance for anyone who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior Easter is coming and the cross is still there. That wonderful shadow that we can hide and stand behind and claim the power of God in our lives. Father, I pray that this message will go forward with your anointing. That you will bless everyone who hears it. To the honour and to the praise of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.